Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Trump's executive orders, uh, Kamala Harris being picked as the vice president nominee. We're going to have happy news and troop deployments. And we're going to start out with a update on one of the stories we had uh, a few episodes ago. And David, I think this was your... Uh, story you told us about fast grants from uh, the uh, GMU project. Uh, Mercatus, which is not the same thing as GMU, but yes. Yeah, and they have um, they are partially responsible for a new um, saliva test for COVID nineteen getting approved by the FDA. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, this uh, this is. Um, Tyler Cowen posted about this. We'll post the article in the show notes. Um, but it's it's much faster than other tests on the market, um, and will hopefully hopefully uh, get our testing capacity up. Also, interestingly, uh, NBA, the like the basketball NBA, uh, was involved with this because due to their uh, whole bubble situation with their players, they were able to run a lot of concurrent tests using uh, various, I don't know whatever preliminary things they had for this test. Yeah, and that's such an awesome idea to me that the the NBA has this um, you know, COVID bubble down at Disney World. And instead of just uh sitting in their bubble, they're actually using that uh, kind of unique situation to help out with with uh testing and experimenting. So I think I thought that's very cool. Yeah, so that was that was happy news in and of itself. I'm glad we started off on a positive note. <laughs> yeah. Um so Moving into our news stories, this actually goes back to what we were talking about last episode, where we were complaining that the Republicans don't have a coronavirus relief bill. So instead of that, um, Trump issued a series of executive orders that were meant to somewhat fill that gap. And from from what I can tell, these are almost entirely bullshit. A lot of what he's trying to do isn't even legal, and the stuff that is legal is trivial. Uh, the only thing that does seem to have any actual significance is he's uh, put some kind of moratorium on student loan payments. Um, and from what I hear, he actually has the authority to do that, and that will actually help some people who are, are paying student loans at the time. So that's nice. Um, but he set up a, a payroll tax delay, and... This is such a weird thing to do because he can't – he wants he wanted to do a payroll tax holiday where they just don't collect payroll tax. But the president can't do that without Congress. So what he, what he, what he can do is delay the collection of taxes. So he's decided that they're not going to collect payroll tax until January. But once January hits, the entire bill is going to be due. So what's the point of not collecting right. it? I, I guess it's to – give people a break now but almost every company that collects payroll taxes is just going to keep taking out of their paychecks because they don't want to hit people with a big bill in january yeah just you have no paycheck in january hope you enjoy that yeah i could see this being some kind of tactic to then sort of force congress to retroactively do a payroll tax holiday um but it looks like what's actually happening is companies are just collecting the payroll tax so my read on it is that this is basically extortion that 
uh, he's going to pivot this into a holiday if he gets reelected. But if not, then people are going to have this big bill they need to deal with in January. Like what? I'm sorry. I thought that was just kind of obvious that that was what was going on. Uh, Well, I just don't see how that works, because what stops Biden from just declaring a holiday? I mean, Trump probably hasn't thought that through. (laughs) (laughs) But either way, Uh, obvious obvious holes in the plan doesn't mean that's not Trump's plan. All right. That's a fair point. And he would have to get the employers on his side, because right now, from what I've heard, no one has stopped collecting payroll taxes, at least no one big. So it seems like this really isn't doing anything. Um, the third executive order is the weirdest one. So this is where he wants to he, – he's set, he's giving $400 a week in unemployment insurance because one of the things that expired in the old bill was the extra $600 a week in unemployment insurance. Um, so Trump is giving $400 a week in unemployment insurance, and he's like stealing the money – from I think disaster relief funds or something. And As God knows there aren't any disasters currently right. ongoing. Really that, really that money. But it's up so like he has he technically has the authority to, to appropriate that money um, and use it for, you know, this state of emergency. Um, but he can't do it through the system that's already in place. So he has to set up a whole new system for this, which isn't gonna be in place anytime soon. And he's asking the states to kick in a hundred of the four hundred dollars, which he he also can't do. Uh, so most likely, this is just not going to be. This is never going to materialize. And even if it does, it'll only last like a month because that's all the money that's there. And most of the states can't afford to kick in that hundred dollars per person as well, right? Yeah, correct. Oh no, the states can't afford to do anything. They're cutting left and right because they're just most of their revenues are from sales taxes that they're not collecting. And then the last executive order is the least effective one. It doesn't actually do anything. It just instructs HUD, HHS, and Treasury to, like, maybe consider thinking about putting a moratorium on evictions. <laughs> like, we had not thought of that before. Yeah. It's like, all right, I am instructing you to think about this. Um, now, uh, uh, Eniash, you and I had a bet last episode Mm-hmm. about whether the Republicans would have a bill by the time this episode came out. Oh, do they have that bill? They do not. Ha! I mean, they do, but they haven't introduced it yet, so technically you win. Nice. Technically winning is the best kind. And this came out about an hour ago. Uh, we're recording Monday night. Uh, as, and they, they So they have a bill, and they're going to release it within the next 24 hours. So by the time this is out, it'll probably be released. Oh, so if David could have delayed a little longer, you might have won. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> just put it off a day. Uh, I would have won the bet, but no. So I have to uh, eat a Tootsie Roll, I think. <laughs> and right. uh, and declare that I was wrong and a stupid head. <laughs> okay. Well, but, I... but I, you know, I have, I have no trouble doing that because my, my and I had anticipated that they would have a bill within days of our last episode. And they just, they went on recess. I think you can. I can let you slide on the stupid head part, since objectively that seems to be false. Worst, you're a dumb dumb late. head. I already said it. Oh snap! Okay. Uh, I'm a stupid head. It oh. happened. Um, and that wasn't actually part of the bet, but whatever. <laughs> I, I, That's just I will flog myself for being wrong. Yeah. 
Um, so the bill, they say it's going to have $300 extra in unemployment insurance um, and some money for the post office. And we're going to talk about the post office later. Um, they're calling it the skinny bill. And are, are they taking that from the, uh, the FEMA? <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay. Uh, no, they're, they're just printing the money. Oh, well, know. all right. Um, I, and I, I think it's funny they're calling it the skinny bill because that's what they were calling the bill to repeal Obamacare that never happened. They were? Yeah, they were calling it – one of them, they had like a dozen different bills, but one of them was the skinny repeal. Hmm, okay. Which and obviously I, uh, never happened. I assume they're calling it that because this one adds a mere trillion dollars to the deficit rather than three. Oh, that's correct. Yeah, great job, guys. Definite 10 out of 10 fiscal conservatism. Totally. Oh, what are you going to do? Vote for the not skinny bill? What kind of monster are you? What are you, some kind of fatty? I'm just trying to, trying to make the choice between two terrible options apparent as we roll into this next next news story. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the big news, the other big news this week was that Joe Biden has picked his vice presidential nominee and it is Kamala Harris or Kamala Ooh. Harris. Do you guys actually know how, how to say it? I don't. I don't and I don't care. <laughs> I only care about pronunciation for people I respect. <laughs> Which is why he never gets my name right. I'm going to turn this one over to you because I know you I, I have mean, you opinions. joke, but also you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, Kamala Harris, as uh, most people probably already know, was the district attorney in California for many years, and currently she uh, is a senator. She was the attorney general. Uh, sorry, attorney general. Yes, I, I meant that. Uh, thank you. Uh, and uh, after that became senator uh, in California. And, you know, she's – people argue a lot about her record as a district attorney because, you know, she was a cop. She did do bad things. But other people are like, for a district attorney, she was surprisingly progressive, which maybe that's true. I don't know. Uh, it's not true. And we talked about this in the last episode. Larry Krasner, he's a progressive prosecutor. Yeah. All right. Uh, Harris was at best a moderate. Yeah. Uh, but I guess she wasn't as bad as some out there. Uh, but the thing is Lobar. that in 2018, early 2018, there was a bill introduced in the Senate called SESTA and a similar bill in the House called FOSTA. They eventually combined them into FOSTA-SESTA. What these bills were supposed to do is stop children from being raped. Uh, that is what everyone who passed it was saying. Uh, what the bill actually does is... Um, further criminalize sex work and make it impossible, well, not impossible, of course, but uh, make people who are in the sex industry be far less safe, have a far harder time screening their clients, and uh, contacting, getting to resources of any kind if they have a problem. Obviously, it's always been a problem to be a sex worker because it's criminal, and reporting that you have a... Uh, an abusive or violent customer is not really an option when you could be arrested just for providing the service. But um, the primary thing, this, the two primary things this bill did was further shut down speech on the internet, forcing a lot of sites to just stop posting any sort of content which could possibly be maybe linked back to pornography. 
and also uh, destroy a lot of resources that sex workers had had for keeping themselves safer um, and force them back underground, uh, back into more dangerous situations and just make their lives much more miserable. And uh, Kamala Harris knew this. Uh, I, I am of the opinion that every senator should have been aware of this before they voted for the bill, but she was a uh, district attorney, she was an attorney general, she was contacted by many people in her home state because she was one of the co-sponsors of the Senate uh, SESTA version of this bill. There was a lot of outreach to her, and really, there's no way she didn't know this. What she saw was that there was a bill that a lot of people were flogging as this will stop sex trafficking of minors, and uh, if you don't vote for this, then we will say that you voted against stopping sex trafficking of minors. And in 2018, I don't know if anyone remembers, because that was an eon or two ago now, there was a bit of a mild uh, sex trafficking moral panic happening at the time. So uh, she, along with 97 other senators, voted to pass this, and a whole bunch of the House, too. And I publicly stated that I will, for the rest of time, vote against anyone who runs against someone who voted for this bill. Um, which, I God, I didn't think it would lead to me having to <laughs> back down and saying, okay, I just won't vote for her because I don't think I can vote for Trump. So that is that is my horrible situation that I'm in right now. Oh, yeah. Inyash, Colorado is not a swing state, and as I've previously explained, the uh, Nash Equilibrium has non-swing state voters voting for third-party candidates, and there is a third-party candidate who is explicitly pro-sex work. Yeah, I was I was already kind of 50-50, like, do I want to vote for Biden, or do I want to just go third-party, because... Gosh, I really hate both establishment parties, but, you know, it's Trump, every vote counts, and now I'm just like, yeah, this is an easy decision for me this year. Every vote counts. Good joke. <laughs> nice one. Sometimes they count every vote. Fosta Sesta, yeah, is probably the worst bill that's been passed uh, since since Trump took office, um, which is, you know... Not a, not a, not that high a bar because not that many bills have been passed, but it's you know it it follows this thing that everyone has started doing now that um, you know just hating on sex workers isn't that popular. They're starting to conflate sex work with human trafficking. Yeah. So anytime you hear anything about human trafficking and oh, we got to stop this human trafficking oh no there's this human trafficking it's they're just talking about sex work right they're talking mostly about consenting adults i think wasn't it like the the owner or some of the patriots or somebody got like a handy in a massage parlor and and suddenly everyone was like talking about how he supports human trafficking or something <laughs> right around it was like around 2018 when this was going on yeah um, and it's this crazy thing where where they just start saying the words human trafficking and and nobody looks any closer than that. Yeah. What what really what really angers me about this is that it's a a hated vulnerable subpopulation. Like sex workers are already incredibly vulnerable and they're hated and so you see the ability to beat up on someone and make their lives worse. They are vulnerable, they have no ability to fight back on this, and they're already hated by everyone, they don't have allies, and so you take it and beat up on them for popularity. And that is just, 
to me that is morally sickening, and I yeah. hate that sort and, of thing. And 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 prob- maybe because of that unpopularity or vulnerability, sex workers tend not to be that politically active. Mm-hmm. But every sex worker I know started started coming out and 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 getting political and making their opinion heard about this bill. So Harris knew, and I will say everybody knew what this was and what it was going to do to the safety of sex workers. And they almost everyone voted for it anyway. I just want to uh, register my smug superiority at, like, actually having an accurate assessment of politics and politicians, because you guys are acting all surprised about this. And I'm just over here like, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've been saying for, like, the last ten years. I kind of thought he was going to go with Warren. Not, I mean, Warren voted for it too, but it just feels worse with Kamala since she was a cop, and of all people, she should have known better. Yeah, but you know, if Biden was still in the Senate, he would have voted for it. Yeah, yeah, he would have too. Like, I, I don't know what you want. Like, it passed ninety-seven to two. Yeah. Um, and it's just like it was. It was Rand Paul and one Democratic senator, mm-hmm. uh, whose name I can't remember, voted against it. Uh, which you know points for Rand Paul. Hell yeah, I'm not. I'm not at all surprised. I'm just still angry. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it surprise. I. I. I so I was surprised that it was that. That was that overwhelming. Yeah. Um. So, David, you are uh, welcome. You. You. You earn your smugness. Because <laughs> <laughs> I. I, always... I actually thought we were better than that. <laughs> I didn't like. I knew it would pass. I just I didn't think it would pass that overwhelmingly. Like I was hoping we would see sex work decriminalized in my well, my lifetime, in the current understanding of what a my lifetime means, and uh, that that was the point where it was obvious that not only is this not happening in the next decade, it's not going to happen for a long fucking time. Because I assumed some Democrats would be against it. I'm sorely tempted to uh, read up and read verbatim that passage from. HPMOR uh, about the um, the uh, politicians not having an incentive to uh, care for people in Azkaban because they can't vote. Yeah. But sex workers can vote. Yeah, but they're like a tiny, tiny voting block yeah. who overwhelmingly live and work in non-swing areas. True. All right. So other than her foster sister vote, um, you know, Harris has a bunch of black marks on her record from uh, from her time as attorney general. Um, a lot of like real like tough on crime, law and order stuff. She's also got some other things that are, you know, we're we're, we're pretty progressive. Like she refused to um, to seek the death penalty. In a, in a case that everyone was pressuring her to do, and she actually suffered some consequences for that. So she did take a principled stand at some point. Um, but, you know, then she went and joked about and actually did arrest uh, a bunch of parents of truant children. So, you know, she kind of went back and forth. Um, but that is, so as we talked about last episode, I'm not a huge fan of hers. I don't think any anyone else here is a huge fan of hers, but She's who we've got. I think it's interesting that one of the large reasons, in my opinion, one of the big reasons she got picked for the VP 
uh, just aside from the the genetics is like the, the whole woman and the black thing is because she was a cop and right now with all the civil unrest that's happening in various cities I get the feeling Biden thought this was a good way to help capture the center like look I have a cop on my side your cities will be safe with me or safer you know it's not like a vote for Biden is a vote for anarchy yeah I think he did like the fact that the left criticized her a lot for for being tough on crime um, because I think you know he thinks that looks good to the the moderates which maybe it does what do I know well, I'm still supporting uh, Biden-Harris, um, and these next couple stories are emblematic of why. So, Trump is currently sabotaging the post office. Um, he's put one of his cronies in charge, and apparently he's just going through wreaking havoc. Um, it's I don't think anyone's found any official directives yet, but what people on the ground are saying is they are... They're not they, – they've canceled all overtime, which the post office needs to function because there's more mail that needs to be delivered in a day than they can do in their regular work days. So – and the t- tradition at the post office was if you have extra mail, uh, you just go deliver it and you get paid overtime. Um, they've – stopped that and they say no no put that mail back and deliver it tomorrow and what that's doing is creating huge pileups uh and it's it's and trump recently just a few days ago actually came out and said on tv that he's that he's doing this because the democrats want mail-in voting and you you know if they don't get their money for the post office they can't have it i'm kind of surprised that's legal like sabotaging a federal agency to harm your political opponents. I didn't think that was a thing we could do. Yeah, so I I have to say, I am much more confident than I am about pretty much any of Trump's other cronies that the Postmaster General will be in jail in um uh within like two years after uh, Trump leaves office whenever that will be. Really? Yeah, yeah. why is that? Like the, this is just like so... Like, it's just such a naked abuse of power, and like, the Postmaster General is not like, it's not someone like Bill Barr who knows where the bodies are buried. So like, I think there's a confluence of it just being a naked abuse of power and the Postmaster General being the fucking Postmaster General and not really, like, having any pull, um, that uh, will definitely get him in jail sometime. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, I, I haven't checked the base rates, which I make it a principle to always do before I put money down, but uh, I am going to check that and I will probably be willing to solicit bets on that. Is the base rate Reagan? After I, check. I think he had like 30 criminals in his uh, administration. Uh, hmm, yeah, that's a relevant reference category here is probably going to like do a Wikipedia dive and find that the postmaster generalship has been a wretched hive of scum and villainy and <laughs> Most of them have gone to jail. All right. Well, we look forward to that Uh, on the next episode. 
Uh, possibly a bonus episode, depending on how deep the rabbit hole goes. Oh, All um, right. Also, privatize the goddamn mail already. Fuck's sake. There's no reason why this should be a problem. Wouldn't that um, make it too expensive? Like, you can't actually turn a profit delivering the mail. Uh, the post office did turn a profit for the past, I think, 30 years or so. Really? That, yeah, it's yeah, only so, recently that, that they've uh, started been losing money. Even going out like into the deep rural areas? I don't think that specifically makes the money, but overall, the post office has made money. Well, so prob- probably yeah. what you would get with private mail delivery is uh, something like... I don't, uh, I don't know exactly what it would look like, but... Um, um, Probably like getting a text or an email or something saying, hey, you've gotten mail, uh, come pick it up at the nearest post office. Because mail, getting mail to the, um, getting mail to the post offices is super easy and insanely cheap. Getting the mail from the post office to your house is where like 95% of the expense happens. Um, so we would need to, like, adjust our expectations of actually getting it delivered to our front doors, probably. But, yeah, if we, like, actually allowed, you know, innovation and entrepreneurship, we could probably get mail delivery almost as good as it is currently, uh, cheaper and at a profit. I don't know what it's like where you guys live, but in some of the new developments here in uh, the Denver suburbs, a lot of streets will just have one large bank of mailboxes at the end of the street, and they it, like you know like uh, an apartment complex style. Even though these are just individual you know family homes, and people will go down to the end of the street to get their mail whenever they want to get it, as opposed to having it dropped at their freaking door. Yeah, and like I live about a minute's drive away from my post office. And, like, frankly, if it was an option to let me pick up my mail at the post office, I'd rather do that and be able to get it whenever I want the day it arrives rather than having to wait until 3, 5 in the afternoon for the actual mail truck to arrive. I'm okay with privatizing the post office, um but mostly because I think the service will be worse and it will incentivize people to stop sending things through the mail. Hmm. Uh, Because I hate mail and I don't want any more of it. I just want people to email me. Um, This is especially significant for my uh, attorney business. I just want want people to email me, and that's actually one of the uh, silver linings of the pandemic is that everyone's emailing everything now. And I just I just want them to keep doing that. Don't rely on the mail. Just just scan stuff and email it. I will note that if that happened, it would be the first time in history that government service was worse than private service, but what else? Well I think I uh, think what also, you were just talking uh, about. What's his that... name? Um uh Lysander Spooner. Um he started a private post office, and it turned a profit for a couple of years, and then uh, he got hit with a, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Express Mail Delivery Act or whatever uh, lawsuit, and got shut down. 
and his yeah. profits confiscated. I mean, there's already plenty of private delivery services which work just fine. So if they, you know, had to uh, take over for the postal service, that would probably work fine too. It is my understanding that they cost significantly more. Uh, it might, um, but that's because you know government subsidies. Okay. Um, I think it would be fine if instead of fifty cents, the stamp cost a dollar. I mean, I go through less than a dozen a year anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's you know vulnerable populations that rely on the mail. Uh, I don't. I I can't think of any right now, but I'm sure that's out there. And but can always, you know. Address that directly. If only there was some way to help vulnerable populations. Yeah, right. Um, without, you know, I don't think we need to give like, bam. That's the really crazy thing. Uh, that isn't that what pays for a lot of the post office is just the spam. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, think of think of the mail you get. How what percentage of it do you actually want? Almost none. Yeah. Especially so, if you go by weight. Exactly. So I'm okay with uh, raising the price uh, so that sending junk mail gets a lot less cost-effective. All righty. All right. More, more things that Trump is sabotaging. Next one is COVID-19 testing. Uh, and I've plugged uh, Zvi Moskowitz's blog a few times here, um, and I will plug it again. He's got uh, his post for this week – is uh, he he goes he's he he goes in and analyzes all the data and he's he sees that a lot of it seems very off, um, especially that Texas and Florida are having huge declines in testing um, when they're they're kind of hotspots and they should be testing more. Um, he notes that deaths in the Midwest and the West are down, but they shouldn't be because number of cases two weeks ago was going up and deaths are lagging um so he 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 suspects that somebody's uh messing with the numbers there he's also uh uh highlights an interview with bill gates where bill gates was talking about how um the cdc has been basically silenced by the white house because they're not on message enough and i know we're not friends with the cdc around here we think they've uh, put out a lot of misinformation, but you know, compared to the White House, they're honest truth tellers. <laughs> uh, uh, so, if the choice is between the two of them, I'd rather hear from the CDC. And he also mentions the 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 big problem with testing these days is that there are big backlogs, and if you get a, a slow testing, is basically useless yeah. because by the time you get your results, you you've already gone out and infected a whole bunch of people. And they say it's slow because the federal reimbursement system rewards the slowness. They they pay for the test no matter when it's when it's processed. And they said if they just switched it so that they paid, you know, a bonus for getting it back in 24 hours, you pay the regular rate for 48 hours, and then after 48 hours you pay nothing, then the problem, you know, would fix itself overnight. They'd find a way to get these tests processed. Is it possible with the deaths being down that just could be because we're much better at treating COVID after several months of experience? It is possible, but I also uh, listened to an interview with, uh, I can't remember her exact title, but she's some like high-ranking um, public, or formerly high-ranking public health official uh, in Florida, 
and she ended up quitting her job because she was basically told to commit fraud with all of the COVID data. Oh. And she was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then uh, she she got resigned would be the best way to put it. Um, I'll, uh, I will put a link to the interview in the show notes. And it is the Trump administration behind this? Uh, it's the Florida state government, so yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's Ron DeSantis, so Trump. Um, and no, it, it, it can't be that we're better at testing it, because there's no way we got this much better at, te- at or treating it. We didn't get this much better at treating it in a week. You know, they're comparing last week's numbers to this week's numbers. Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought it was like a longer-term trend. No, no, it's saying this week... The, the number of deaths went down. And when you look at the number of cases two weeks ago, the number of deaths should be going up. We did we did mention just a, a month ago when uh, the White House said that the CDC, no, that the hospitals could no longer send information to the CDC, right? It had to go to right. the White House instead? Right. And there was a lot of worry that the numbers were going to get um, filtered through the White House and uh, messed with. Yeah. And it sounds like that maybe that's happening. Yeah, so uh, the um, I found the uh, podcast interview, and turns out it's a double feature. Uh, and the other feature is about um, the NRA committing fraud, which I think we were oh. going to talk about, but <laughs> didn't get onto the outline. But that'll make a good compliment with our forthcoming bonus episode. Support us on Patreon. <laughs> We're going to have uh, our friend Gray on to talk about uh, gun control. And we're going to be doing a, uh, a, a crossover episode with the Bayesian Conspiracy Podcast, because Gray is also going to be on there to talk about... Uh, Inyash, what's he going to talk about on the Bayesian Conspiracy? Physically controlling your guns with your hands. So, a very different type of gun control. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, they'll cover the practical side and we'll cover the legal side. Um, all right. So our next story, and this is a fun story. This arguably could have gone in happy news. Um, Inuyash, do you want to, do you want to introduce this one? Yeah, sure. Uh, I've been a big fan of the Satanic Temple for quite a while. Uh, I helped support some of their things, like when they were getting funding to make their big Baphomet statue. Anyways, uh, they are a bunch of basically atheists who band together under a religious banner and say that we should get religious protections too, basically. Uh, if you're going to have prayer in uh, in Congress or your state legislature, then all groups should be represented equally, including ours. If you're going to put up a Ten Commandments, then you have to let all religious groups put up a uh, religious monument, including ours. And uh, basically, they tend to make government stop endorsing a religion because for the most part when uh, governments see that they can't only endorse their favorite religion like Christianity and maybe some watered-down near-Christianity flavors and have to be like, yeah, all religions are okay, even Satanism, then they quickly step back and are like, oh no, government's secular. We, we don't do religion here. Yeah, their, their favorite move is um, taking advantage of, of public square laws um, so a lot of times when a government wants a religious monument, they'll say, OK, we are just going to designate this a public square 
and private groups can put up whatever they want, knowing that you know the only religion in their community is Christianity, and they're the only ones that are going to put up a monument, usually like a Ten Commandments thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a way to get around the uh, constitutional limitations on government endorsement of religion. So what the Satanic Temple does is say, oh, oh, anyone can put up anything? Well, here's a nice statue of Baphomet with a uh, child uh, placing his head in his lap. No, the child's head is not in Baphomet's lap. Oh, no? No. That, I'm sorry. Did I... Um, <laughs> You're thinking about Jesus. I, it... <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the child is next a... to him and looking up to him. and okay. like, yeah. All right. Well, there's usually a child involved. Yes. Um, which, you know, the communities freak out, and then they just say, okay, no more public square. No one can put up anything. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, what their goal was all along. Uh, so this is a slightly different tack that they're taking on this uh, story that I was very happy to hear about. Uh, they now have a religious ritual for getting an abortion. Uh, it's it's a very interesting ritual. They have like this sober moment of looking at yourself in the mirror and uh, reciting a few lines of life affirming, decision affirming. Like this is my body. This is I don't remember exactly what it was, but you know it's it's not terrible, right? It's something that you could see a, a religion doing, and uh, they claim that this is yeah. And honestly, it seems like decent advice. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And they say that this is a religious uh, a religious tenant of theirs and a specific religious ritual of their religion. And any doctor that tries to, or any law that tries to interfere with that by forcing people to get sonograms or making them wait a number of days or making them read literature that is basically full of uh, blatant lies and propaganda, even making them read any literature at all, for that matter, uh, is an imposition on their religious liberty, and they specifically cite the Hobby Lobby case, where Hobby Lobby said that uh, it is against their religious principles to pay for birth control for employees, and the Supreme Court sided with them. And they said, well, uh, this is against our religious beliefs uh, to force people to get sonograms and uh, to delay medical procedures and you can't do it anymore. And uh, this just happened, you know, like a week ago, so obviously it has not been tested in the courts yet, but I'm assuming that is the ultimate plan, and I, you know, I wish them all the good. They are doing God's work here, and I hope that... (laughs) They're doing somebody's work. (laughs) Right. And uh, I am really happy to see this, because I doubt it would actually cause people to join their religion temporarily for the abortion benefits, but... It's just, it's a good thing to have in society. Yeah, and I think this is an especially brilliant strategy because once it gets to court, the judges either have to uh, say that abortion without any of these restrictions is legal if you're a Satanist. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, an easy way to uh, get, get your uh, unrestricted abortion. Or they have to start putting and articulating limits on the free exercise clause of the First Amendment, um, which has been being expanded lately. So they, they, uh, either way, uh, something good comes out of it. Yes. I, as an atheist, have personally always been annoyed when people can just ignore laws because of their supposed you know, religious duties or whatever. I understand why we have those laws, but I do find them annoying, and I'm glad that we can now get those protections as well, or at least get them, get some limits put on them so that they stop being, you know, crazy things like we don't have to provide medical care if it's against our religion. 
I think there are too many laws and that any way that people can get around laws and not have to obey them is probably on net a good thing. Uh, so I don't completely agree that both of the possible outcomes here are good, <laughs> but the worse outcome is definitely a lot better than a lot of possible outcomes. Uh, so even if it's not like what I'd pick given my druthers, it's definitely like not the worst thing to happen. So yeah, I'm, I'm in general pro-free exercise. Like, the the really clear-cut case for me is the uh, Native American tribe that's gotten um, religious exemptions to use. Uh, I peyote. can't remember that. Yeah, peyote. Uh, like, pay, peyote shouldn't be illegal, and anything that makes it less illegal is good. Yeah. Alright, so this this gets a big thumbs up from all of us. Yep. <laughs> all right. Uh, next story, which gets a big thumbs down from all of us, mm-hmm. is um, something that just came out within the, the past couple of days. Um, apparently, Greece uh, got a lot of refugees from Turkey recently. And the the prime minister of Greece had um, said they, they were not accepting refugees and vowed to turn them back at the border. Um, but apparently some got in anyway. So what they're doing is physically expelling them, sometimes in by taking them in boats out to international waters and dropping them there in life rafts. Like unpowered. Yeah, which just seems like cartoon villain evil. And I, I don't understand why they're thinking this is the the best way to handle this situation, but it sounds pretty terrible. I have nothing to say about this except it is awful. All right. Well, I I, I wanted to make sure I included that just to get uh to get to get word out about it because I haven't seen a lot about it um from from the sources I normally read. Um, but I mean, hopefully this will get some attention. And expelling people into harsh environments has classically been a uh, a tool of genocide. So, I mean, I'm not saying they're genociding people at at the numbers of a thousand, but it's it's. I mean, you're basically condemning them to, I hope you get picked up by someone else before you die of thirst out here, right? Yeah. Now, I think they all have gotten picked up by the Turkish Coast Guard. Yeah, but they were refugees from Turkey. Right. Which means they're probably going to, like, political prisoner camps. Yeah. So, not really points in their favor. No. Yeah. Yeah, Greece is on my new shit is on my shit list now. I mean, it already kind of was, but seriously, why can no one do immigration good? <laughs> like uh, this isn't hard. I guess it depends it on what hard. your goals are. Yeah, I was about to say, depending on your goals, it can be extremely difficult. Everyone that does immigration good, uh, their people get all pissed off at them and throw them out. Yeah. People are stupid and shouldn't be allowed to vote. <laughs> That's why, why it's hard, David. The real question is, why can't humans do smartness good? Because oh. we insist on letting them vote. Oh, damn. That's not why. Um, all right. So next story is also awful. Um, there is a mayor um, in Massachusetts 
I forget what town he's the mayor of. His name's Alex Morse, um, who has gotten in trouble recently. Trouble in quotes. Yeah, trouble in quotes. Um, basically, sort of getting me tooed by the local college Democrats at, at Mount Holyoke, um, accusing him because he was a uh, the the mayor of the town and he was on he's gay and he was on tinder and grinder hitting on college age students it's also important to point out that he is also college age he was elected mayor when he was 22 and i think is just now hitting his 30s yeah um so he was you know Apparently, like, hitting on people around his age. Um, And they claim that this is some kind of sexual misconduct because he he had a position of authority. Um, And he never, you know, there's no allegations that he ever did anything with anyone he had any kind of direct authority over. But the, uh, the idea is that there's this big power dynamic. And therefore, consent is impossible or problematic or something? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it came out recently that um, the, other, the other thing about this is he's running for Congress. And, and he's, he's in a primary uh, against a um, you know, senior Democrat. And he's trying to, to beat him in a primary. And it came out recently that the... Massachusetts Democratic Party was coordinating with these college Democrats yeah. to release these allegations, um, and it seems pretty obvious that they, uh, you know, were doing this because they want their establishment guy to win the primary, and not this like younger, um, more you know, progressive left wing guy. Can I can I highlight real quick just how ridiculous some of these allegations are? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, one of them was that uh, they had he had matched on Tinder before with someone else, which means that they had both like swiped in the direction of interest, right? And uh, then they met in real life later on in some real in the uh, direction of interest. <laughs> yes, uh, he, he they met in real life in some uh, I don't know some rally or something, and afterwards he texted him and said, "Hey, it was nice to see you in person," uh, and. They exchanged texts for a little bit with like, oh, this is just what I'm doing this weekend. It was not sexual at all, and that was, I guess, bad because he has power or something. Like, the guy was afraid to not text him back in in theory. I'm not sure exactly what the deal was. There was someone else who said that uh, he did sleep with him without knowing who he was and later found out that he was mayor and felt like retroactively that his power had been abused. I just... It's it's crazy. I yeah. and I the, the the nutty thing is like these are the people who in the past the left was the side of sexual liberation and now they are totally completely around to the side of you know the the moralistic majority. I mean, it's not just that they're also apparently saying that government officials have too much power. <laughs> Which, like, is this just an elaborate way for the radical left to flirt with me? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. David, it's not that they have too much power. It's that they have too much power to ever 
have a sexual relationship with anyone. Uh, But they're not trying to take away their power. They're just trying to prevent them from having sex with anyone. He can only date other mayors. Yeah. (laughs) And Pete Buttigieg is married. (laughs) Yes. Um, So so I'll recommend um, another podcast. Um, It's called Blocked and Reported. But this week they had Dan Savage on to talk about specifically this case. Um, And it's a very, very good discussion. Um, Dan is very much of the opinion that this is a bunch of nonsense and people need to grow up. Are you aware? Like, Dan Savage, when I went to college and first discovered uh, his column was huge and just an amazing eye-opening thing for me. Are you aware that he is problematic now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Everyone knows that, right? Okay. I... He's, he's been canceled. Yes. Um, yeah, so but I take it back. Don't listen because Dan Savage is canceled. <laughs> and blocked. Uh, no. I yeah. hope someone reported him. Yeah, right. Um, the, uh, the the interesting part of the discussion, I think, is is asking: Is this homophobic? Um, because I, you know, if a if a man was doing this to women, uh, it would probably still be a scandal. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, it. it I, I imagine. I don't think worse. this would be a scandal in any case if people weren't being babies about it, <laughs> but. Um, you know, this, if the same thing came out about a man doing this to women, yeah, it'd probably be the same similar story. Um, but it also does kind of play into these this gay panic uh, about you know older gay men corrupting the youth. We haven't had a gay panic since the eighties, man. I, I don't I don't think this is homophobic. This is just weird sex negative and trying to wrestle the Me Too movement even further into crazy political weapon territory. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that, like, the pathologization... Pathology, oh, God, how do you say that word? Pathologization. Yes, the pathologization of male sexuality is kind of equal opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and I think it, you know... I, I, I don't know if it, it may be more salient when it's uh, a gay man, or it may be less, I'm not sure. But um, people hate male sexuality and uh, consider it problematic by itself. Yeah. Uh, so Male sexuality is gross. And that's really the only way I think one can understand this story. Is that, you know, men being... Men are predators. Men having a sexuality is dangerous and offensive. Yeah. All right. So that is our regular news. Now we're moving into happy news. Huzzah! David, why don't you tell us about what's going on in Iowa? Uh, yeah, so Iowa, the last state to deny voting rights to felons, has restored voting rights to felons. Yay! Right. Good on you, um, Iowa. Yeah, and is that, so- um, is that unconditional? Uh... I can't remember because I put this in the outline like a week and a half ago. <laughs> right. um, well, hopefully it's uh, less conditional than Florida. I'm assuming yes. these are just felons, as in people who have a felony on their record, not felons who are currently in jail? Uh, yes, that is correct. And what's really interesting is this was actually done by a Republican governor. What? And, like... I know that the Republicans are trying to distance themselves from Trump so they don't get totally massacred down ballot. Uh, And I would like to see them do it in this way more, please. 
Yes. And what's what really struck me about this case is the Iowa governor is a pretty close Trump ally. He doesn't seem to have been trying to distance himself from Trump in any other way. Um, and and, you know, says all the right things, does all the right things to be, uh, you know, a, 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 a Trump good old boy. Well, it, it is a lady. It but... is a lady. But, you know, she can be in Trump's good old boy network if she's good old boys. You know, flatters him enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, she seems yeah, like by I every. The, I believe the politically correct term is good old folks. Ah, good old <laughs> folks. Um, but yeah, every indication before this was that she was, you know, a Trumpy Republican. Um, and then this sort of came out of nowhere, so good on her. Yep. And uh, I just glanced at the article real quick, and it looks like the only requirement is that they register. All right. Excellent. Okay. All right. And. Uh, we have another happy news story. Inyash, you want to tell us about the Aral Sea? Yeah, the Aral Sea. Uh, this is one in Western Asia, I believe on the border of Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan. Uh, I didn't actually know that. I just read it now, but I knew that it was somewhere in the uh, Eastern Europe, Western Asia area, all around the stands. Uh, anyways, this used to be the fourth largest uh, inland body of water in the world, and it has been drying up for many decades to the point that uh, it split into now the North Arl Sea and the South Arl Sea. As uh, the water level had dropped low, it wasn't one big sea anymore. Um, and it was it was bad times. All the uh, wildlife was dying off because the salinity was getting really too high due to everything being uh, you know, all the water evaporating away and the salt staying there. Uh, local fisheries were not fishing anymore because all the fish were dead. Everything was terrible. Anyways, due to the powers of science and engineering, uh, there was a project started, uh, funded by the World Bank, it looks like, to make repairs and construct an eight-mile dam. And there has now been an 11-foot rise in the, in the water level of the North RLC in seven months. And it is really recovering quite well. Uh, their fishes are coming back. And uh, the general uh, ecology, what's the term for an ecosystem? I guess an ecosystem. The nearby ecosystem seems to be recovering a fair bit. So yeah, the RLC, it's, it's coming back. Uh, I will job, also science and yes. life uh, finds a way. <laughs> <laughs> I will also add a similar story is happening locally to me. The uh, Brandywine Creek is uh, having the shadfish return because they took out a bunch of the. Uh, there were like thirteen different dams in the creek um, that were for uh, grain mills from the ninth, like the eighteen hundreds. Um, they took them all out. And the uh, the shatter coming back and the ecosystems flourishing. Nice. So yeah, some good news about uh, our our seas and rivers. All right. Well, that takes us to troop <laughs> deployments. As we all know, politics is the mind killer, and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts to send out a soldier onto the battlefield each week. And this week, we will start with Eniash. Uh, so my troop deployment is that you don't own anything that's connected to the internet. This came up because a friend of mine recently tried to buy an appliance and was wondering why his uh, dishwasher was going to hook up to the internet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know people already know this about like uh, stuff that you buy online, like software. You only own it as long as the server is still there and the company feels like uh, allowing you to keep using it. 
Um, it, but it extends to much further to uh, physical objects too, because if uh, something is connected to the internet, the company that actually owns it can turn it off at any time um, and turn it into a brick for you. And technically, that might not be legal. It's hard to say exactly due to the nature of the EULAs that you agree to when you open the packaging on things nowadays. Um, but uh, you're also going to have a hard time convincing a lawyer to go after these people for your $500 appliance unless you can get a huge class action lawsuit. And oftentimes, if these things are getting turned off, the company is going out of business or has been bought by China or something anyway. Uh, this is already, this is most famously a problem with printers, where uh, you buy a printer and then you have to buy a marked up printer cartridge to refill it from the same company. And if you try to refill it with generic ink or use a different ink cartridge, they will simply say, oh, this ink isn't real. I can't print things anymore, even though that's a lie. Uh, but I just wanted to reiterate anything, anything at all that is hooked up to the internet does not actually belong to you because it can be turned into a brick at any time by someone else. So just don't hook things up if you can at all avoid it. So the the printer and ink thing is a little bit more complicated, which I know because it's one of the things I'm studying for my field exams. Um, but uh, it's longer than I usually like. The, uh, the explanation would be longer than... I usually like the responses to troop deployments to last, so maybe we can talk about that in hashtag econ and poli sci sometime. That would be great. All right. Uh, David, your troop deployment. Yeah, so um, if you are listening to this podcast, you probably heard about uh, this blog post that's mildly popular called uh, um, Meditations on Moloch. And um, the name is a reference to a poem by Allen Ginsberg called Howl. Uh, and it's an excellent poem. And in the and the section on Moloch is part two of three. And in section three, um, Basically, throughout the poem, he's, um, it's basically like a, a, a long, drawn-out criticism of society, and then uh, in parts one and two. And then in part three, he goes into uh, a bit of a subversion of that by talking about the things that he thinks are great. And keeping with the religious imagery, he uh, calls them great by referring to them as holy. And one of the lines is, holy the angel in Moloch. Uh, so that is an interesting line that I've been thinking a lot about. And um, it, I, it's inspired me to write a blog post that I may or may not actually post somewhere when I actually get the damn thing written down. Uh, basically applying the conditions on Moloch, talking about how, like, uh, Moloch, as conceptualized by Scott Alexander, does push us away from things we really like, like, say, corporations caring about the environment, 
But it also pushes us away from things we don't like, like corporations wanting to discriminate against black people. Uh, so, yeah, that's just a project I have kicking around the old noggin. Uh, and hopefully I'll actually get it written sometime and posted somewhere. And maybe we can talk about it during the uh, recaps or um, not recaps, um, old news in a future show. All right. And my soldier this week is that school is still bad. Uh, a few episodes ago, I did a troop deployment about how school is bad. And I just want to make sure everyone remembers that school is still bad because you're going to hear a lot about how children not going to school is a big problem. And you're going to hear because of the pandemic, children aren't going to school. They're getting a lot of uh, online instruction and they're not learning the subject matter as, as well as they would in person. And you're probably going to hear a lot about um, you know, over the next few years about all this uh, lost learning that that children missed out on and how they're, you know, they're not performing as well as other students in their position did and, and how they, they know less. Um, and I just want everyone to remember that what they're talking about is those children doing worse at school, um, not at anything that actually matters. Uh, and I will uh, bet that, you know, in 20 years, there will you will not be able to tell any difference in any practical skills between, uh, you know, children who missed a certain grade in during COVID and, you know, children who didn't miss that instruction. Um, the only thing that anyone is missing out on is school. And the only thing that makes you better at is more school. All right. Well, that's our show this week. Please follow us. Uh, if you like us, subscribe to our Patreon. There is a link in the show notes. Um, please leave us a review anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And come back next uh, in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat channel.